0: to the Word for Today featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel movement. This radio program is a verse by verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the effects of crucifixion as we pick up in Psalm chapter 22 verse 14.
1: And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. One of the Things that takes place during crucifixion As a person is hanging there And usually held there by the spikes Your muscles after a while Begin to fatigue and give way And when your muscles give way Your body begins to drop And actually the the joints Because the muscles have fatigued the, The joints begin to Uh, Your body begins to fall out of joint actually From the hanging there And and this description of all my bones are out of joint Uh, Of course the excruciating pain of uh, of the joints loosening Often killed the prisoner My heart is like wax It is melted in the midst of my bowels My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue, that thirst, that horrible thirst that you receive when you're hanging there and through the sweat your body liquids are dissipated and then you get that horrible thirst, the dry mouth, the cotton taste. My tongue cleaves to my jaws for thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me they pierced my hands and my feet Now the Jehovah witnesses seek to teach us that Jesus was crucified on a pole that the cross is actually the pagan tau symbol And so the church is actually worshiping a pagan symbol. They tell this to all of their poor, deceived people. And they then quote from a 16th century book and show them the pictures of this 16th century book written by a monk in which he describes the tutorial, the pole, and the many methods of crucifixion of the Roman government. And he shows the picture of this man that is crucified on a pole, his hands above his head, one spike through his hands... And then, of course, the one spike through his feet. And they say that the church, you know, in picturing Christ on a T-shaped cross, actually the pagan symbol towel, and the whole church is following Babylonian paganism and so forth, the whole church is Babylon. We are the only ones that tell you the truth and all. And they deceive the people. It is interesting that in the New Testament it speaks about the nails, plural in his hand, in his hands actually, the nails plural, in his hands. They pierced my hands and my feet. What the Jehovah Witnesses didn't tell the people that this same 16th century author and the book that they take the picture from and they quote him Supposedly translating the Latin that is there. They don't tell the people that they have mistranslated the Latin that is there. And on two pages further on the book, he has the T-shaped cross, and he says, this no doubt is the kind of the cross that Jesus was crucified on because it refers to their nailing the nails through his hands and his feet. And and they don't tell the people that they have deceived them. They've taken one page of the book, mistranslated the Latin from it, and a couple of pages later, the same author in the same book shows the type of a cross that we usually think of when we think of the cross and, and says this, no doubt, is the, this, the shape of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. But that's what I say, they are... I feel sorry for the people that are deceived. It's the leaders in New York that are going to have to really answer, for, answer to God for the deception of these poor people around the United States, keeping them in deception and darkness. My heart goes out to them. I may tell all my bones, for they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Now you remember when Jesus was crucified, they, they tore his garment and divided it into four, but with the coat they said, oh, this coat is nice. It's been woven all the way from the top to the bottom without any seam. Let's not tear it, let's, let's divide this, or let's cast lots to see who this will be. So here it was prophesied. Now, Schoenfeld, who is called a scholar, by many of those men who like to pat each other on the back and tell each other how brilliant they are, declared that, this, that the whole Passover, crucifixion of Jesus, was a gigantic plot that Jesus set up and that the disciples had spiked the vinegar that they finally put to his lips to put him in a swoon so that they would think that he was dead. And that after they had buried him, of course, the disciples came and and whisked him away. And it was just all a big plot, and Jesus set the whole thing up. He deliberately angered them. He deliberately set the whole thing up so that he actually plotted the whole crucifixion and everything else, and it was just a, a big, gigantic plot of Jesus. Well, it was very... Ingenious of Jesus to somehow get the soldiers to go along with the plot And not to tear his robe but to cast lots for it That was very clever of him indeed And even to get the high priest to go along And say, oh, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he's, you know, if he's the son of God, then let him come down. He said he delights in him. Okay, if God wants him, you know, let him save him. We'll all believe him. Schoenfield just turns out to be a liar like so many others. And his book a fraud. And it turns out that Schoenfield's book is the fraud, not Jesus. As is always the case. But in one sense, of course, it was a plot. And Jesus was a part of the plot. It was a plot that was hatched by God before the foundations of the earth. For Christ was crucified from the foundations of the earth. You, according to God's predetermined counsel and foreknowledge with your wicked hands have crucified and slain. You see, when Peter talks about the cross, he talks about prophecy, the foreknowledge of God. Yes, it was a plot. God plotted it a long time ago, and Jesus carried it out. But it's your salvation, and it's my salvation. But be not far from me, O Lord, my strength. Haste thee to help thee. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. Now on the altars, they had on each uh, corner of an altar a horn, a single horn going up uh, as the horn of a unicorn. And when they were really desperate uh, and really wanting to crowd unto God, they go into the altar and they grab hold of the horns of this unicorn. Uh, you remember when Joab, uh, the general of David, was... After David, when he was dying, he said to Solomon, Now, Joab has spilled so much blood. Take care of him. Don't let his old gray head go down to the grave in peace. And so when uh, Solomon was doing the cleanup for David after David's death, he ordered uh, them to bring Joab because of all of the innocent blood that he had shed in order that he might give his life. And Joab ran into uh, the altar and he grabbed hold of the horns of the altar. And the guy came back and he said, he's holding on to the horns of the altar. Well, when they were really desperate, they would run in and grab hold of the horns of the altar and there they would pray and intercede unto God. And so here it speaks of that kind of intercession from the horns of the unicorn. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. God heard Jesus when he cried. My praise shall be of thee. In the great congregation, I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied and shall praise the Lord. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. Now the salvation that went out to the Gentiles is predicted. With all of the families of the nations, they'll worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he is the governor among the nations. And all they that be fat on the earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. So the intimation of the resurrection, even those that have gone down into the dust of the earth shall bow before him. In Philippians we read, God has given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God has given to him the kingdom. The kingdom is the Lord's. He is the governor and all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. None can keep his own soul alive. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation, and they shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. And so the gospel has come to us of the glorious work of Jesus Christ in his death for our sins, the fulfillment of Psalm 22. Psalm 23, the prayer of David Or a psalm of David, rather, and it is a psalm in which he sees God in three aspects. He sees God first as a shepherd, secondly as a guide, and thirdly as a host. There's a very interesting commentary called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And you might want to read this book. It's a fascinating book as it goes into many of the aspects of a shepherd and, and the character and the nature of sheep, and you'll find it an excellent commentary on the 23rd Psalm. A shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm. But in reality, a guide could look at it too, and a host could look at it because he sees God in all three capacities, not just as a shepherd, but also as a guide and as a host. God is a shepherd. Jehovah is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want actually for provision, for he makes me to lie down in green pasture. I shall not want for refreshment, for he leads me beside the still waters. I shall not want for strength, for he restoreth my soul. So God is a shepherd watching over me, leading me into green pastures, leading me to the still waters, restoring my soul. But now God is a guide. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness or in the right path for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Now God is leading me through my path of life. He leadeth me. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. God will lead you through your path of life. But each one of you, the path of life will one day, barring the rapture of the church, lead into the valley of the shadow of death. When it does, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Death doesn't hold any terror or fear for the child of God. A survey was recently done among morticians. 2,000 of them responded to it. And it was a survey that dealt with the preparation of bodies of those people who they knew to be truly born again and those who were not. And you can ask a mortician and it's almost impossible for a mortician to put a smile on a person's face when they're dead. Did you know that? Next to impossible. Unless the person was a born-again Christian. <laughs> and, and they had observed this phenomena and so they made a sort of a survey among morticians and it all came back. Yes, they'd all f- observed the same phenomena. You bet there'll be a smile on my face (laughs) (laughs) All right, you know (laughs) For death has been swallowed up in victory O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death was sin But sin has been removed Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. O the presence of God, taking me by the hand, leading me through the valley. Now God is seen as a host, for Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. God is just really a great host. He's a gracious host. He takes care of you fabulously, preparing a table before you, anointing your head with oil, causing your cup to overflow, the glorious overflowing life of the child of God. If any man thirst, Jesus cried, let him come to me and drink, and he who drinks of the water that I give out of his innermost being, there will gush torrents of living water. The cup will overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Wherever I go, throughout my pilgrim journey on this earth, goodness and mercy, the goodness of God, the mercy of God attending my path, And at the end of the path, all the days of my life having been completed, I shall then dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That house that Jesus spake of when he said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now I look at this world, and I love to go to Hawaii, and I love to go to Yosemite, and I love to go into any areas where you have beautiful woods and ferns and rivers and streams and flowers and fauna. I love it. I love the beauty. And I look at the beauties of the Grand Canyon. I look at the beauties of the oceans. I look at the beauties of the lakes and the rivers and the streams and the woods, the deserts. And I realized that he created the whole thing in six days. Now it was about 1900 years ago that he said he was going to prepare a place for me. (laughs) If he could do all this in six days, What must that place be like? He's been working on for 1,900 years. (laughs) You bet there'll be a smile on my face. (laughs) As I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It all belongs to God. For he hath founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the floods. Now the question. The whole thing is God's. The earth's of the Lord, the fullness thereof. He found it, he made it. It belonged to him. Who shall ascend, the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? The answer He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Who hath not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lift up ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Beautiful Psalm. Psalm 25. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth Nor my transgressions According to thy mercy Remember thou me for thy goodness sake O Lord Now David is changing his tune Earlier he's saying Lord remember my righteousness And do good to me for my righteousness sake And and now as he's growing a little older uh, And he's looking back in retrospect He said Lord don't remember the sins of my youth According to your mercy remember me (laughs) When you think about me Lord, let it be covered with your mercy. And for your goodness sake, O Lord. We'll return with
0: more of our verse-by-verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 22 through 25 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org.
1: May his hand be upon your life and may the flame of love really begin to burn in your hearts towards God. That this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion to him.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The 1960s became one of the most colorful periods in American history. The counterculture was dropping out and turning on. The summer of love was the stage for many dramas of change and the most popular musical group in the world was singing, All You Need Is Love. But one man in Southern California was reaching out with the answer and the truth began to set people free. Author and Pastor Chuck Smith began to share the love of Jesus Christ with a generation that was looking for love in all the wrong places. Now, some 40 years later, the gospel of love is still changing lives. In his book simply titled, Love, The More Excellent Way, Pastor Chuck Smith expounds upon the love that can change your
1: life now and forever. For more information on how to obtain your copy, visit a bookstore nearest you. Or call 1-800-272-WORD. Or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org. That's thewordfortoday.org.